Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is that hard times part of the week. We're discussing the losers this week in the Big 12. Some, we let them off the hook. Others, we have a whole lot to talk about. This is the Neighborhood Watch, part of the 365 Sports Network here on Crystal Ball College Football. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. Five-plus days a week of Big 12 content here at Crystal Ball College Football with the Neighborhood Watch. Make sure you guys like the video, subscribe to the channel. We're almost at 12.1,000 uh, subscribers right now to so help us get there. If you all cannot listen, go find the podcast wherever you guys listen to your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those places, and you guys can find those uh, those things there. And when you guys do, uh, you guys obviously can go there um, and leave a five-star review. That helps a lot when you guys do that. All right, so... I thought about this and, you know, as we're getting the 14 team league, like it's developed now. So we do the winners podcast on Saturday night, basically early Sunday, Saturday night. I think we want to go winners Saturday night, early Sunday, and then Monday, late Sunday uh, ish, we will do the losers because there's usually, they say the story is in the losers locker room. Well, on this show, it's in both, right? And uh, these are losing teams that we have visited with before with Texas tech, with Baylor, with Oklahoma state, but Really, like those are three schools that we really have to get into here uh, because of what happened. So we've got the off the hook teams, which we'll get to in a little bit, but we've got the big losers of the weekend. And Dusty Rhodes is going to help us uh, get there. Kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. That's hard times. We're talking about hard times. And that is the theme of what we are attacking. It's about those hard times. And so we're going to discuss those hard times at some of these big 12 schools. The big three losers this week, in my opinion, are Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Baylor. And they can be in different orders. You know, it's funny. I kind of wanted to group Oklahoma State and Baylor like together about a way to talk about them. Uh, but kind of in order, like Texas Tech lost a quarterback, so they're number two. But also they've got some different ways to solve some things. Oklahoma State, let's start with them. So they lose this weekend against Iowa State. And you think about what's happened in their last two games. 
Oklahoma State has given up 33 points to South Alabama and then 34 points to uh, to Iowa State, right? And this is a team uh, in South Alabama that scored 35 against Southeast Louisiana, 17 against uh, against Tulane. They did have 30 this week, but they lost to Central Michigan. So, like, this was not a great South Alabama outfit. At least it's not looked like that it is, although it was pretty good last year. And then Iowa State could not score against Iowa, who we think is a pretty decent team. But, you know, still, like, not scoring against Iowa is, is not good because uh, – Ohio, rather. Not good, obviously, because it's Ohio. But if you're getting shown up by a team that could not score against Ohio, like – You've got some serious issues, especially considering that I do think that this roster is better than Iowa State's roster by a considerable, not considerable margin, but I mean, a, a margin though, because we saw what happened, uh, happened with this betting scandal. So Oklahoma State, to me, has got to be number one on that front. And the number one issue facing them is this. Two things. Number one, their quarterback is on the bench at, at Ole Miss. Oklahoma State's quarterback, the guy who should be their quarterback, is on the bench at Ole Miss, Spencer Sanders. We have rehashed how that situation went down, but um, we're not going to do it again. But obviously, it's just not worked out well for either side, and it's sad that we're seeing that. Now, I'd like to say this about this situation for Oklahoma State. Last year for them, or two years ago, the season they went to the Big 12 championship game and they beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. The thing about Oklahoma State was they played really good defense. They adapted their offense to be a running offense, and Spencer Sanders made the plays in wins when they needed him to make those plays. Okay, Last year, when they were really good before Spencer was hurt, they put more on his plate, and he was awesome when he was, uh, you know, when he was okay. Right. Like when he was not banged up is what I'm saying. Right. And they gave him more responsibility and they put more on his shoulders. And I thought he was fantastic last year. And he showed that experience, and the age and all the things that he had learned. And you go back, uh, you know, last season, like he threw for 406 yards and four scores in the first game, 268 and two scores. Second game, uh, 242 and four scores in the third game, the Baylor game, you know, he was threw a pick in that game, but also ran for a touchdown in that game and threw for a uh, 70% completion percentage and, you know, was strong through for a touchdown ran for one. Also, and they needed that That TCU game is where he got hurt and where things kind of went sideways for him. But he ended up totaling last year, uh, 28 touchdowns or 25 touchdowns in the season. And once again, that was with a guy who was clearly not hundred percent as the year went along. And you question, okay, well, can Oklahoma State's offense make it to the point where the quarterback does not mean as much? Can they get it back to more of a neutral game state or, or you know, at least a little bit different from last year? The answer is somewhat yes. Ollie Gordon's the best player, uh, best skill player on that offense, and it feels like it's uh, not you know going too far in saying that. Like He is a really talented, very good football player they've got in the backfield, and I hope he stays in Stillwater. But they have been rotating quarterbacks at a position that is clearly still really important for them. And Mike Gundy has picked the wrong guy. He's picked Alan Bowman. Alan Bowman has started the last couple of games, but he is 53% on his passes. He's thrown for 513 yards in four games. Once again, he's not playing in all these games, but he played all day yesterday. And yesterday, like they were fighting from behind and he did not complete 50% of his passes. And they got off to a terrible start in the game yesterday. And, you know, did anybody watch him and think, like, this is the guy who needs to be the guy? 
right? They could not sustain drives early on in the game. Uh, he started off three for nine in this game and things got better from there, but it, he's just, to me, not a good enough player to justify going out there and rolling with this guy. And to me also, I know that they don't want to throw away this season, but like you've got a guy in Garrett Rangel who is a little bit of a, not all the way a, a blue chipper, I would say, but still, when you talk about a guy with a recruiting profile, this was the you know, number 20 quarterback in the class and some place had him as a four-star, but you know, a guy that had a little bit of promise. I know you brought Alan Bowman in, but this team is not meaningfully good enough, I think, to justify like keep rolling him out there because I'd want to see what I have with a younger guy in a Garrett Rangel and if he could be a part of the program moving forward because, look, like you might have to scrap it anyway, you know, what's happening in the quarterback spot. You might have to go and portal this thing up pretty hard in the offseason, but at least know if I have a guy or not. Like the three-man rotation didn't really tell us enough, and I'd like to see Rangel out there because Bowman's out of eligibility. This is it for Alan Bowman. And so if I'm Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State, and like it's pretty clear at this point in the season that whatever you're rebuilding or trying to build now, you need to you know try to build for that future, in my opinion. And you're not by playing Alan Bowman. You're not even seeing what you have out there. And so I feel like Mike Gundy has made the wrong decision. And I feel like he's made the wrong decision from the moment this quarterback situation started. I'm not saying they cannot turn this thing around at all, but does anybody feel good about where Oklahoma State has, is headed? And I think you can tell the team is lacking for confidence right now. This was supposed to be the easiest fourth of their schedule. If you look at the 12-game schedule and you break it up into fourths, UCA at ASU, South Al, and at Iowa State is the easiest fourth. You've got three young games coming up, but they are not as good as K-State. They are not as good as Kansas. They are at West Virginia, who is playing better football than them right now. And they have Cincinnati at home, who I, I mean, I think they can beat, but like, do we feel super confident anything right now before they have a tough last four games? Because two of those games on the road at UCF at Houston and BYU at home, as well as Oklahoma on November 4th to kick things off. So for them, the good news is the bye week is happening, right? The, the bye week for them is happening. I know their offense like wasn't the only issue and their defense. Once again, has given up, uh, what is it now? 67 points in the last two games. They couldn't stop anybody, but they did have a couple coverage busts. They did have a player slip on a touchdown yesterday, but Rocco Beck looked fantastic, right? Uh, he was, he had a wonderful game yesterday for Iowa State on Saturday. I'm saying yesterday, I'm recording this on a Sunday. He had a great game for Iowa State. And so I feel like when I kind of stack these things up, like the mismanagement of the offense, the lack of confidence there, the fact they were fighting in a hole, they've been behind in both those games. They've been behind the last three games. Right. And I forgot about the UCA game if they fell behind, but they were behind in the game against uh, Arizona State. They were behind in the game against USA, obviously, because they fell so far behind. And they were behind the eight ball for most of the day yesterday, too. So they've got to figure this thing out. The good news for them is they've got a bye week coming up before they have a big Friday night game against K State, which feels like kind of a last standish game for them they are two and two there are opportunities to secure significant victories still left on the schedule and mike gundy is too good of a coach but it feels like right now it's hard to say that this has been a well-managed situation for oklahoma state and it feels hard to kind of look at this in totality and say like we feel good about where they are and uh i thought they had a chance to turn around this year and they just they they need they need some clear leaders leadership on the offensive side of the ball defensive side of the ball too 
yes, they definitely do need, uh, they definitely need some, some leadership as well uh, in that category. Uh, the defense for them is, is, you know, not been strong uh, at all. Right. And if you look at defensively where they rank right now uh, in the league, they're 11th in the league in terms of like points allowed per game. And you go into other categories too. It's not like this thing is, is going super well, but the offense, you know, the offense being in bad spots doesn't put the defense in great spots either. And so you're feeling like a lot of times, you know, this is not a team that's uh, in a spot to, you know, uh, generate pressure, right? Like they're sixth in the league in, in getting to the quarterback, but it's not like they do that in a super meaningfully well way, right? They're not getting a lot of uh, turnovers in the secondary. It feels like they're a little outmatched sometimes in those places. USA burned them. They had some great wide receiver performances. Obviously, we saw the same thing happen with Iowa State too. So, so many questions. The good news is Brian Nardo, Casey Dunn, Mike Gundy have time to figure it out. But, and I'm not saying Mike Gundy has to go. He deserves so much leeway there. But this thing is, I mean, I think this was avoidable. And that's why I think it's frustrating for Oklahoma State fans because a season that's playing out like this, in my opinion, was something that they could avoid. All right, Texas Tech is the next team we're going to talk about. Hard times, number, reason, number one reason for them is Tyler Shuck goes down. You feel really bad for a kid that's battled through injuries, and it felt like this was the chance for him. But, I mean, you know, the running the football, the throwing the football, obviously, like, they put him at a lot of risk. And this is, what, the fourth quarterback injury now we've talked about for a uh, variety of guys dating back to last season, they had all three of those guys getting nicked up and banged up in various ways between Donovan Smith, Baron Morton, and then Tyler Shuck. And now we see Tyler Shuck uh, get banged up as well. And then Baron Morton comes in a relief and it didn't go very well. And this pacing thing, like the problem is teams see them coming, right? So K-State was a dark horse last season. And K-State was still good enough to beat teams. Like you, like you knew it was going to happen. You knew they wanted to spread the football around. Martinez are going to use a bit more of the quarterback run game. You try to get after the passer a little bit, but also they had those big corners. They wanted to play physical on the outside. And they also had Deuce Vaughn to using a, a pretty good workload. Like they had so many weapons to use. The thing is, Texas Tech's got weapons, but like their weapon is pace. Like it's a it's a game control type thing. And we've talked about it before in this show. Things can go sideways for you if you're going to go with pace all the time, because if you're not efficient with it, other teams can hold the ball. Like they're never going to win the, the, the pace of play battle. But if you can't stay on the field, you're two for 18 on third downs and you're having short drives like, you know, uh, one minute drive, less than two minute drive, another sub two minute drive, another sub two minute drive. You know, I mean, they have all these sub two minute drives, like not a single drive in the first half for Texas Tech lasted longer than two minutes, right? That is really challenging. West Virginia had one, uh, two, uh, three, three, four drives. I'm counting that did, right? So you're going to put yourself behind the eight ball and look, maybe they can't run the football at all. And I know pace is a weapon, but it's not a useful enough tool for them. And it has allowed some games to turn around. You're going to play games that have momentum swings against Texas Tech. And I think their hope is that they're a little bit better in the margins in those games. Well, here's the problem, folks. They're not right now. They were good in close games last year, but they're not as good in close games this season. And once again, this is not a team that is doing a good job of getting after the quarterback. They're 11th in the league right now when it comes to sacks. And then 
I know they have guys who hold onto the ball and try to make plays and they use quarterback to run their last league and, you know, getting sacked as well too. So they have got some serious issues that I don't know how correctable this thing is on a week to week basis. And now you have a new quarterback. Now, Baron Morton had a lot of promise and they're lucky that he stayed. They got Houston at home this week. They've got Baylor on the road next week before they welcome in K state. All right. That Baylor-Texas Tech game is, I mean, what a compelling story that will be on Saturday, October 7th. I, I can promise you whoever leaves that game with a loss is you know, is going to want to pull their hair out. Um, but they've got two opportunities coming up here in the next two weeks to potentially you know, get significant victories and get this thing back on track just a little bit before a big game against K-State. Um, you know, I, like, I don't think Joey McGuire is a bad coach. I think obviously what's happening there is like the things are going to, things will improve and get better. But what you all have to understand about Texas Tech is when they max out, like they had one really awesome season under Mike Gundy. All right. Uh, or Mike Gundy, uh, under Mike Leach. If you go by result by year for Texas Tech and you go back and you look at, you know, all of these, uh, Mike Gundy at his peak, or Mike Gundy. If you look at Mike Leach at his peak, right? So they went, let's see, Mike Leach gets there in do to do 2000, right? Seven and six, seven and five, nine and five, eight and five, eight and four, nine and three, eight and five, nine and four, 11 and two, nine and four, eight and five, five. And then they get the Tommy Tuberville years, right? Like this thing was eight and nine. Now, a lot of that did count bowl wins because, you know, you have a nine with a bowl, you have an eight with a bowl, you've got a eight with a bowl, you've got another eight with a bowl, you got a nine with a bowl. Right. So like they are winning eight, nine with a bowl game there in that run. You're hovering around eight wins. So like, what do you have to do to get that program back to that spot? Because they're not there yet. They are not back in that spot. If you look at the coaching transitions, I know we have Matt Wells and then we have Joey McGuire, but Joey McGuire was eight with a bowl last year. Like you need to exist in that range and field teams that are, you know, can sustain injuries and whatnot before you start punching and keep going above in that direction. And they're not yet. They're not there yet. Now, their schedule's been really challenging, that's for sure, but I feel like their roster's better than West Virginia's. Uh, they should have beaten Wyoming. That was not in any time you let that, like, overtime games are coin flips. Sure, you're on the road, tough environment. But that game should not have gone to overtime. You had a chance to keep it out of there. And then the Oregon game as well, too, back and forth game. You made the mistakes late, and they were better in the margins than you were. And Oregon's a really good team. And they're losing these really close games. And they had a chance in this one too, but they're losing all of these one score games in the margins right now. Two point loss to Wyoming, eight point loss to Oregon. And then, uh, you know, you have this, the seven point loss to West Virginia. So they're close, but they're not there yet. They are clearly not there yet. And it's costing them because the other teams just been better than them in these spots. Uh, they have been. And so I feel better about Texas tech than I do about Oklahoma state and Baylor. I can tell you that, but it's going to change now because Baron Morton's the guy, and I feel like Shock's got the chance to be a bit more accurate. Morton is, what, now his third year in the system now? So you hope that there is some meaningful improvement for him. Or third year in the system, third year at Texas Tech. But, you know, like he didn't really play at all in 21. Look, this is a guy who's technically still a sophomore, has had that extra year. It's a third year in college, though. And I know he hasn't played as consistently, but it's his team the rest of the way. I, th I think at least that's what I read for the injury. I think that's the way it's going to work. So they've got opportunity now. They know who their guy is, that it's never been the question before. It's not the question now. Keeping the guy healthy, obviously, was the question. Let's see. Let's see, man, because Joey McGuire and company, they've got a chance. Like, I think this is a team that's got a chance to be playing their best ball by the end of the season. 
but they got to be more consistent because that's just one thing about this team is like it's just not a consistent result. All right, so Baylor here at the end. I'm not going to go super long on Baylor because I work for a network in 365 Sports that's got a lot of Baylor folks. I will say as the season goes along, I'll give more of my thoughts because I think some of you guys who are at 365 Sports for Baylor thoughts might be good to hear somebody who's outside of it, right? I'm not in Waco. I live in Arkansas. Uh, you know, I'm not saying those guys are wrong. Like They have much more intimate knowledge. They understand the day-to-day better. But maybe just kind of that fresh outside perspective, but I'll lend a little bit more of that as we go along later in the season. So I'll be more brief now because there's plenty of good Baylor coverage. So, like, they got hammered by Texas. It was never competitive. I did not think it would be that competitive. It was hammered down basically from the start of this game. Um, Dave Aranda just doesn't seem to have answers. The one thing that stood out to me was his press conference afterwards. He talked about Texas getting outside and how outside zone didn't really work for a whole lot of them. And their goal was to cut things back inside, but it didn't really work. That running game just could not get going. And Texas is a different monster this season. They have been in the past. Um I still feel like could have been a lot, a little bit closer. And I, I just, is Dave Aranda the kind of guy that can turn things around and get you all fired up all of a sudden? I don't know. And this Baylor defense, you're talking about like, uh, you know, outcomes and whatnot. I mean, this Baylor defense right now in the league is allowing the third most yards out of any team. And their offense is ninth. Like you pair those two things together, right? It's, it's, it's been a challenge for them getting the running game going for them, right? This is something that we feel like Baylor should be hanging their hat on. They're 10th in the league. And against the run guys, they're dead last. Teams are running the football all over them. 4.6 yards per carry is the worst in the league so far this season. And a far cry from where Dave Aranda wants this team to be. They've missed on some guys, clearly. Personnel-wise, this does not look like the same kind of Baylor teams that we've seen in the last couple of years. Um. And I, I don't know what the immediate fix is. Like, I think they're going to have to portal the shit out of this thing, for lack of a better term, in the offseason. It feels like that's where this is headed. And it just feels like Dave Aranda doesn't have any many answers. Now, I want to see what happens when Blake Shapin comes back. I want to see. All right? Because um, I, I think it can improve, but like, it's not a good enough roster. And I, I was wrong about Baylor from the go feel bad for you fans out there because it's I, I know how much the Baylor community cares a lot and they put a lot of money time and effort into this group and especially Dave Aranda too after he after he reaches such a high high point but got some changes they've got some plays they can make they've got some things they can change they need to do it here in relatively quick order uh all right the second part of today's show the teams that I'm going to let and I'm nice doing this guys off the hook right? Some of you all's fans might not be letting your teams off the hook and nobody's completely off the hook for a loss, but I've got three schools that I'm letting off the hook in some ways. That's off the hook. You see the hook thing right there. Do to do UCF, BYU and Cincinnati UCF off the hook. Number one, like it's kind of almost like who had the best loss UCF. That score line is not indicative of how close that game was 44 31, right? This was a one point game in the fourth quarter. I think they've got something maybe with Timmy McLean right now, right? I think that's a chance, but they were competitive in this game. All right. But they end up having bad turnovers, right? They have the, they lose a turnover battle. They double up the, the penalties, not have the ball for as long enough. They were actually not bad on third down, but K-State was awesome on third and fourth combined. They were 10 for 17. You've got to get off the field. It's a huge part of this. And they were not able to do it. The run defense did look vulnerable too, but the one thing they've got is they've got playmakers, right? This is not a all on the quarterback proposition. I mean, Timmy McLean completed 14 passes, 
three of them were scores. You know, they've got good running backs. They rushed for 4.2 a carry in this game. Kobe Hutz, like they're getting these really good players. And so I think this is an example of why uh, UCF has high upside in this league. I just don't think they're at the point yet where we're going to see it consistently. But in terms of quality of player, like they looked like they belonged on the field, even though it's back quarterback, they looked like they belonged. BYU is next. Um, you know, I think I misjudged just a little bit about BYU. The one thing about them is this. They're mentally, they can stay in the games. I just don't think they got the horses right now with this roster to do so. They could not run the ball effectively. And if it's all on Slovis, it's just not where you want to be. And they made more mistakes in this game as well. And uh, yeah, it just felt like, you know, KU is like the better. I mean, they're just KU's almost better coach than everybody they play. But the turnover battle is three nothing in favor of the Jayhawks, right? You're not going to win many games. Now they outgained them, but still, you know, BYU has played two kind of uh, last week was a weird game against Arkansas, but like they were tougher. They hung in that game there and they did a really good job. Hang once again, like hanging in that contest and, and being good to go, you know, and, and uh, uh, like staying in the game against uh, Arkansas and then you're kind of going back and forth and embracing that KU. It's funny. Cause you think about Kansas, Arkansas, like, you know, rosters, whatever they played a pretty close game last season. You know, it just felt like KU could get those first downs when they needed them, get the rate, uh, late rushes when they needed to, they ran the ball effectively. And I think it's a lot of these teams, like if you can run the ball effectively, it's really just hard for the other team to win the game. And Kansas did that all day. And Kansas is going to win a lot of games. if They can run the ball effectively. I'm not too worried. I just think this BYU roster is not like LJ Martin's a freshman, right? I mean, LJ Martin is, you know, it's a guy who's a young player. They like him a lot, but like he is a freshman player, uh, you know, Parker Kingston, who has been getting a, a decent amount of run in some different situations, you know, made big plays last week, also a freshman as well. And so, uh, you know, talk about like a lot of these guys, you know, who they are going to be relying on moving forward, just breaking a lot of these guys in because they did have some turnover from last year. You know, Chase Roberts has only played two years for the program so far. You know, Isaac Rex has been there for a while. So they've got this mixture of guys right uh, right now, and they could probably get Rex back next year. Now, I think he could be an NFL tight end because of his size, but I think BYU has got – this season, the look of like a six and six football team that could win some, could lose some. They have not been able to go back home recently and kind of get in front of that home crowd in a big game. They've played Sam Houston and they've played Southern Utah. They'll be up for next week's 9-15 Friday night game, obviously. But I'm kind of excited for that game against Tech at home, the game against Oklahoma at home. The, the crappy thing is they're at Texas you know, at Oklahoma state. So like they don't get a lot of that at TCU too. So not getting a lot of these big games at home their first year in the big 12. Uh, I am excited though, to see how they are able to hold serve at home because back to back weeks on the road, asking them to get wins. I think I bought in a little bit too much to BYU. And then finally Cincinnati, this is just because I don't think Cincinnati is very good. Like on a neutral field, Oklahoma probably should be 14 points better than Cincinnati. Cincinnati could have been closer in this game, but they're just not good enough. Right. Emory Jones was just not good enough. They could not run the ball effectively enough in this game. And those extra, you know, turnovers put their defense in some bad spots. And so uh, you know, they just got like they just got out executed enough kind of in this game, or out talented, I guess, and a little bit more of execution. And they're gonna have to out execute a lot of teams in this conference, right? Uh, you know, like yards per pass, eight point five for OU, five point six for Cincinnati. It's not gonna be good enough, you know, for them. 
And if you're not going to be good enough passing the football, 3.8 per rush is not how you get the job done. Them gashing Pitt is how they got the job done. So a two and two team, and it's actually kind of like pretty good. I thought it'd be a one and three start for them. But the fact that it was, well, actually, no, two and two is probably right because Miami of Ohio game. But back to back losses, I think it hurts them a little bit more. They go to at BYU, but then they do have Iowa State and Baylor. So chances at home to pick up a first win in the league. But still, Cincinnati two and two, kind of right where we thought not too mad at these three schools for the way things went down this weekend. All right, that will do it for our show today. Back on Monday. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. Four and two week with the Big 12 Bread Truck Best Bets. Picked six games this week, so I'll pick at least five every single week. But really, guys, I want to give you all winners in the Big 12, and that's why I didn't pick every single game uh, in the Big 12 this week. On the wins this weekend, we had to do uh, Oklahoma minus 13 and a half. Quick cover there. Very close. TCU minus six and a half. K-State minus four and a half. And Houston minus 11. Losses Oklahoma State plus three and a half. And then BYU plus nine and a half. Was close there. And then I, the Oklahoma State one, I guess kind of close, but not really like super, super close. Uh, so there you go. Subscribe. Like. That's how you help out this show and support us. All right, folks. See you all tomorrow.